Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock. I'll be the host for today's podcast, and we are talking once again with Amy Rotering, who is an attorney at Mundal Law. How are you doing, Amy? I'm doing great, David. Thank you. Today's discussion will have to do with estate planning. I know you do a lot of that kind of work. What is the most common question or one of the most common questions that people will ask when they're looking to have their estate plan done? One of the main questions we get is, should I get a will or should I get a trust? So a will or a trust, that's what's making them wonder which is best. Is it something like that? Usually, David, it's usually they've had friends who've gotten their estate plan done and then they want to do the same for themselves. And most people know basically what a will is and what it does, but not as many people know what a trust does. So they hear tidbits here and there, and they want to know more, and they want to know if it's appropriate for them. Let's do that then. Let's just break down what they are. As you say, most people know what a will is. We've discussed that in another podcast. Yes. How did it go that, that they go and they show up? Because a lot of people didn't read back in the old days. So they, Oh, yes, yes. We that? talked about the reading of the will and, you know, is that a thing? And it's not. Yes, that happened years ago and a lot of people couldn't read. So it's kind of that classic I being of sound mind and body. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and basically the will contains the wishes that they would like their worldly belongings and their assets and who that should go to. Exactly. So a will is what's called a testamentary document. And what that means is that nothing happens until after the person passes away. And after that, the will serves three purposes. So you're right, David. The first thing it does is it designates somebody to manage and distribute the assets that the deceased owned at the time of their death, and then it names the people who receive those assets. Then if the deceased person was a parent of minor children, the will tells the court who they want to take care of the children. Well, that's pretty straightforward. Yes. Tell us what a trust is, and then perhaps we can look at the differences. So a trust, in its most basic form, it's a legal arrangement. What it does is it provides a transfer of assets from a person or people into a trust, and that trust is administered by a trustee. And it's a little bit harder to describe because people say, well, then what's a trust and where do those assets go? They don't technically physically go somewhere. It's just that the title of those assets is transferred to another person. And that other person manages those assets for the benefit of a third person called the beneficiary. So it's a little bit more complex than a will, but it basically does the same thing as a will does, except that it does it while the person's still alive rather than wait for the person to pass away. Are there two different types of revocable and an irrevocable trust? There are, David. 
I could do a two-hour podcast on trust, so I'll try to keep it brief. But there are basically two different types of trusts. By far the most common trusts that we do here at Mundal Law are revocable trust, where the person who's transferring the assets is usually also the trustee and the beneficiary while they're still alive and well. And then what a living trust can do is it can say, once that person who transferred the assets isn't able to take care of themselves, but they're still living, then the management of those assets then goes to somebody else who will then handle those assets to take care of the person who transferred them until they pass away. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but it just offers a little more flexibility while the person is still alive. I see. Well, now, did we cover that? You mentioned revocable. We talked briefly about irrevocable. What is the difference again? How does that work? Sure, David. Very briefly. A revocable trust is also called the living trust. And the reason it's called that is because it goes into effect when the person is still alive. Whereas an irrevocable trust is also called a testamentary trust. So there's that word testamentary again. And it's called that because it doesn't go into effect until the person passes away. So it's similar to a will in that respect. It is, David. Yes. Given that we have those two different types of trusts and we understand what the will is, I am the person wanting to have my estate plan done. Sure. Which one should I choose? That is always the question, David. Here we are. And my answer to you is, it depends, which I hear a lot of groaning (laughs) because that's not the answer that most people want to hear. But it's true because an estate plan can be as different as the family who creates it. What we do at Mundal Law is when a new client comes and sits with me, that's the first thing we discuss is what is the goal of their estate plan. And it really will vary among families. Sometimes the goal is, well, I want to make sure that my children are taken care of. I want to make sure that my house goes to certain people. I want to make sure that somebody in my family doesn't get anything. And it also depends on the complexity of the financial situation of the family, too. So most of the time at Mandala, we work with families that have a house and a couple cars and some kids and some savings, just hardworking middle-class families that we serve. And so we talk about preserving those assets for them. As far as getting back to your question now, as far as a will and a trust, will is a lot simpler of a document than a trust is just by its nature. However, the disadvantage to a will is that there's interaction with the court that is required once the person passes away. That means that there's documents to file, there's notices that go out, and there's hearings to go to in front of a judge. And that's all part of what they call the probate. Exactly. People have said to me in the past, oh, if I get a will, that means I don't have to go to probate court, right? And unfortunately, that is not true. A will does not keep a person out of court. What it does, though, is it helps the family of the deceased and the court navigate and fulfill the wishes of the person who passed away. So it does offer good guidance, but it doesn't avoid the probate process, whereas a trust does. Where does the court get involved or does it get involved when there's a trust? How does that work with respect to a trust? A trust is more like a contract. When a trust is set up, so let's say you come into my office and you set up a trust and you've chosen somebody to manage your assets once you've died and then you've chosen some beneficiaries for those assets. It's very similar to a will because you do the same thing in a will. It's just that you've started it when you were alive. But what happens when you pass, the difference is you don't go to probate court. What happens is that next trustee automatically takes over and starts managing your assets without having a court appoint them. 
That's the big difference. So you've been in charge of your trust up until you pass away or until you're unable to manage your affairs anymore. And that's when it passes to the next trustee that you have listed in the trust itself. Yes, that is correct, David. Okay. Then what happens? You're gone and this new trustee is in there and there's instructions, I assume, in the trust as to how to conduct the distribution of the person's assets. That's correct. A well-drafted trust will contain very clear instructions as to what the deceased wanted to happen with their assets once they pass. What those instructions are, of course, depend upon the wishes of the person who created the trust. For example, a lot of families with young children like to have trusts. Why? Because in Minnesota, if you don't have a trust and you have minor children, that money, let's say you have a life insurance policy worth $100,000, and when you die, you've said, now my spouse and my children get that money. Children can't inherit in Minnesota. They can't. Well, they can, but there needs to be a conservator appointed to manage those funds until the child turns 18 years old. And the conservator is acting on behalf of the minor child. That's correct. So if there's no trust, then probate is the default if there's no estate plan in place. A trust bypasses the need for probate. So a typical provision in a trust when there's minor children is... I don't want my children to have the money until they're 25 years old. Okay. Okay. So in the meantime, if the person dies and the children are younger than 25, let's say they're still pretty young, they're still minors, the trust will typically allow the trustee to pay money out of the trust for the children's welfare and benefit and to support and health and maintenance until the children reach a certain age like that age of 25. And then once the children reach 25, then the trustee writes a check to each child, and then the trust ends. That's just one example. A trust can be as creative as you want it to be. All right, we understand the basic structure of what a will is and now what the various types of trusts are and the creativity that can go into developing them. Is it possible for a person to have a will and a trust? Absolutely, David. Practitioners differ, but my belief is that every estate plan should include a will, even if there is a trust. And the reason for that is pretty simple. Once a trust is created, it's a snapshot in time as far as the assets that someone owns. So if someone purchases an asset after the trust is created, they would need to retitle that asset into the trust. Otherwise, it's not part of the trust. So even if they have a trust, you're suggesting that they should definitely still have a will. Absolutely, David. A trust is only as good as the assets that are in it. I guess one of the downsides of having a trust is that once the trust is created, then the person who owns the assets actually has to transfer title to them into the trust. At Mandala, we assist with that. However, let's say five years from now, that person purchases something new, like they purchase a new car, maybe they sell their home and buy a new one. That new house, if it's not titled into the trust, is going to have to go through probate if the person dies before they put the house into the trust. I see. So once an estate plan is created, if the person who it's for is still living, there's updating that should be done along the way if new purchases are made and so forth. Right. If there's significant changes in someone's life, they should always come back and review their estate plan to see if there's any adjustments that need to be made. And that's very common. A lot can happen in five, ten years that would require an update. 
Let's get back to the original question. Should I get a will or should I get a trust? And now I'm of the understanding that I should have both. How is this going to work? People don't necessarily need to have both. If an estate is very simple, there doesn't necessarily need to be a trust because a trust can get complex very quickly, especially in the administration of it. A will is a lot simpler. Someone might have to go through probate, but sometimes the probate process isn't a bad thing. Another example of when a will might be preferred is if someone anticipates there's going to be a lot of conflict between their children or family members after they pass away. Just because there's a trust in place doesn't mean the court never gets involved. People can file lawsuits if they disagree with the terms of the trust or if they think that the person who made the trust wasn't competent at the time they made it. When there's a lot of conflict, the probate court can offer protection for people who are in conflict. Is there a situation where a trust would be absolutely necessary? I'm not sure, David, if there's a situation where it would be absolutely necessary, because there's a lot of different ways that estates can offer protection to people outside of the will and the trust arena. However, I think the more complex a situation is financially, the more protection a trust can offer rather than a will. Trusts go beyond simply giving an asset to somebody and then that person goes and does what they want with it, which is what happens in a will. In a trust, the person who created it can what I call rule from the grave. They can go further than that and they can say, well, yes, I want this person to have the money, but this is what I want done with that money specifically. And so more complex situations, that might make more sense. For instance, in a situation, again, where there's young children, I think a trust is preferable to a will because it helps preserve the assets until the children are a certain age and more responsible with money than perhaps leaving it with a conservator who might have different ideas about what the money should be used for. And the person who designed the trust would be able to have the kind of insight required for the people that he or she is giving the assets to so that they would know what would be in their best interest, or at least they'd have a good idea. That is correct, David. Another area where trusts are really useful is in second or subsequent marriages where both spouses have children from their first marriage or from a previous relationship because there might be assets those spouses want to make sure that their children receive. The more that we talk about this, the more I can really see why so many people have that question, what should I choose, a will or a trust? And it seems like the answer is, you need to talk to somebody. Exactly, David. I think this conversation is just an excellent example of why it's important to talk to someone about it, because it's not a question that there is a black and white answer to, because it really does depend on the family dynamic, the finances, and so many other factors. It really can differ with each person who comes in. I'm going to ask it one more time. What should I get, a will or a trust? (laughs) Go and see an experienced estate planning attorney, and they will be able to give you that answer. Okay, well, we'll have that appointment right after this. (laughs) Sounds good, David. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. 
Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundal Law website at mundallaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.